All right, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Save the Track Bike, presented by Hexagon Cycles. I'm your host, Josh. On today's episode, I have Kelly Nooner from Formula Femme. She's an editor for Pretty Damned Fast. She's a track racer, a fixed gear crit racer. We talk about a lot of things from the fixation crit to mission crit to vegan donuts to all kinds of stuff. And then, uh, but before that, we have a quick preview of the Velorama Festival, which is in conjunction with the Colorado Classic, which takes place in Denver. So yeah, a lot to cover. So let's just jump into it. I'm John Tarkington. I'm the Cycling Experience Director for RPM Events. RPM Events is the company that owns and runs the Colorado Classic and Velorama Festival here in Denver. So let's talk a little bit about what Velorama is. Velorama is a music festival that meets bike racing, and together they, they, they're trying to make something beautiful, and we'll see how it comes together in 2018. So the first Velorama was last year. Right. Correct. So what can we expect that'll be, uh, like, what lessons were learned or what what things can people expect this year when they go? You know, as with any first-year event, there, were, there was a lot that was learned, both on the music festival side and the cycling side. So the big major changes that people will see this year is a very, very consolidated footprint. Uh, last year, we occupied a good chunk of, uh, I want to say, close to 12 blocks of Rhino, and this year that's not the case. It's all taking place within the Coors Field parking lot, which is the which was the concert venue last year. So we'll have the start-finish of stages three and four of the Colorado Classic adjacent to the music festival stage. So it should make for a pretty exciting Saturday and Sunday with that consolidation and joining. Uh, additionally, uh, there's not going to be a, a Denver flea presence this year, and instead that area will be occupied by cycling experience activities and additional expo space for vendors. So last year you guys had a fixed gear category, and I know in this podcast uh, that was my first fixed gear crit ever was racing last year. And... I've definitely had a lot of questions on if the fixed gear category is coming back and all that stuff. Obviously, you're on the podcast, so that basically says yes. <laughs> Indeed, it is, and uh, we're very excited. We're actually going to partner with uh, the Fixation Open this year uh, and do a men's and women's Fixation Open. Uh, it's actually not going to be part of the series. It's going to be more of an exhibition event, but looking forward to uh, hopefully making it part of the Fixation Open series in 2019. But yes, fixed gear racing will be back inside the Velorama Festival for 2018. Cool. And so for everybody that's listening that wants to do the fixed gear crit, um, what can they expect? It's definitely going to be a little bit different than last year. Last year when we had our two separate worlds where we had kind of a bike race uh, area in the Rhino Arts District and then a music festival in the Coors Field parking lot with them being joined – uh, you'll get to come and check in at a designated check-in spot. Uh, if you're early enough, you may actually get to ride a lap or two of the course. The way the schedule is shaping up this year, Stage 3 of the Colorado Classic, the men will actually take off. They'll do two laps of the festival grounds and then take off on a 102-mile journey for the day. And immediately after they leave the festival grounds, the fixed-gear women will start and do a 30-minute race. And it's a crit lap. It's got a little more texture uh, than last year's course, which was basically a four-corner square. Uh, we're hoping to work in a few more turns and, and, and at least add a few technical features to it to make it a little more than your average parking trip around a parking lot. Uh, and then after the women, the men will race. And about the time that finishes up, the women's stage three for the Colorado Classic will be getting going. And then once... They roll th- once they finish their they do also do a criterium that day, and then once the men get back in, the music starts, and additionally there'll be other activities going on throughout the course of the day. So tell me a little bit about why Velorama decided to add a fixed gear crit category in the race. 
last year and especially this year. So last year, it, it ultimately, it's a great cultural connection between music and bike racing it definitely just the 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 two mesh together really really well professional road racing and a music festival it's a much tougher union uh fixed gear very natural so it was very easy this year to make sure that our fixed gear categories continued on uh and we're really looking forward to making sure they're a big uh, a big part of this year's event so I'm curious just a little bit about um, the partnership with Fixation. Like, how is how is that looking? Because I had them on the podcast as well, and I know a lot of people are traveling out to race Fixation. So how are they helping bring people to Colorado? We're just going through the motions right now. Uh, really, we're looking looking at this as a, as a great way to amplify the quality of our event this year. But then, more importantly, looking forward to making it a bigger and better race in 2019. Uh, we're really looking looking at seeing how it's going to fit into the, the series schedule for 2019. But for this year, uh, they will actually bring some staff, and so it'll be the regular fixation uh, open race rules that are in effect, bike checks, etc. So it, it's definitely going to raise the quality of what we're providing. Uh, and then additionally, it would, there'll be a little bit of prize money for men and women and products for men and women as well. So uh, can you give us some details about the race, like the dates and and registration and all that stuff? Race date is Saturday, August 18th, and time men will be at approximately 11.05, women at approximately 10.30. Uh, registration should be open in the next couple of weeks via the USA Cycling website, and you should look for a press release from Fixation and Velorama when all of that is set and ready to go. Is there anything else we need to cover? We're really looking forward to seeing a big fixed gear presence this year. And if there's anything, any questions people have, ideas people have, we would love to hear them. And so feel free to send those my way. Cool. And where can people find more info? VeloramaFestival.com. Hey, thanks for coming on, John. Thanks for having me, Josh. Really appreciate it. Hi, I'm Kelly Nooner. Uh, I'm a track racer, um, and I'm also a user experience designer. Um, and I'm captain of the women's uh New York City-based team, Formula Fem. Cool. So talk a little bit about your history with cycling and, and how you got involved with it. Um, well, a few years ago, um, I had a lot of, like, really bad hip pain and ended up having surgery for it. Um, and after that, they recommended cycling. Um, it was a big rehab activity for that. And um, I eventually, I don't know, I had, like, a crappy like three-speed bike I upgraded to a pure fix that I had set up single speed and I rode that to work um I got more into cycling once I did the uh five borough bike tour for um for the ASPCA at the time like raising money for it um and I got into doing longer distance rides um and I was looking to just get more seriously into it uh, and I went to a couple of road rides at different shops, but it didn't feel like the right fit for me. I, you know, I showed up on a single speed. I didn't have the Clifton pedals and all of the like fancy outfits and everything like that. Um, <laughs> so I um, eventually ended up finding this like social riding group called uh, Flawed that met every Tuesday night. And it was just like a whole bunch of different people from, you know, messengers to commuters to students. Um, and we'd go and like get ice cream or go hang out in the park. Um, and that was where I got more like interested in cycling and learned more about, uh, different ways you could be involved in that. Um, before that I'd been considering, you know, potentially doing triathlons. I think there was a part of me that liked the competitive aspect, but was kind of bored by the, like, uh, you know, the cherry rides are great, but I just, you know, going kind of slowly along for 50 miles or so wasn't really my thing. Um, and then one of the women suggested starting a track team. And I was like, uh, I've never ridden fixed gear before, but that sounds cool. And I want to do that. Um, 
so yeah, we uh, started that in November a couple of years ago. I, you know, picked up a couple of extra jobs to, you know, raise money to get like the bike and everything like that and started racing um, in April, I guess about three years ago. That's amazing. And was that that team that got started, was that Formula Femme? Yeah, exactly. So, um, like, there always been women racing track in New York, but it seems like it kind of ebbed and flowed. So some years there'd be more, some years there'd be less. Um, the first year we raced, um, that was really one of our goals was growing the field um, so that there would always be a full field. And, you know, there was the minimum field size was met so people could category up and just making it more competitive. So most, um, we have regular racing every Wednesday night and most weeks it was, um, you know, a handful of us and these two junior women who were like super strong and would just kick our ass every week. Sometimes they go like a little bit slower with us for a bit, but would tend to just like pull away and win every time. And that was like the first year. <laughs> um, and then, um, it was really great because the second year, um, we set out like a recruitment form and we got a really incredible response, you know, 20, I think 26 or 28 different women, um, applied for what we were anticipating to be like four spots on the team. Um, and it kind of really helped grow a lot of excitement, um, out of that. There were like three new teams that started, um, and it was just really awesome to have all these other people to compete against. Um, and so, yeah, in the second year we went from, you know, maybe having like five or six women to having like 20 women on Wednesday night at the end of the summer and being able to separate the different categories, which is just a really awesome feeling and really incredible. Yeah. So let's go back to that progression from, uh, Mm -hmm. from going into, or going from riding the single speed to riding like the fixed gear bike, the pure fix. How did you, how did that progression happen? And like, what bike did you end up with? <laughs> oh yeah, and I, it's like a very long story. I skip kind of ahead. So that's um, great. I mean, I that like bike took stories. me like <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, so I mean, I had that one. It was my everything bike. You know, I took it. I did the fibro bike tour. I did um, this one like fifty-five mile ride in Poughkeepsie where we chose like the longer route and we got to like the rest uh, like the rest area where they had free sandwiches. Everybody was like, "You are doing this on a single speed because there's a ton of hills. It was like brutal and like drizzling rain." Um, so yeah, I decided that I wanted to get a road bike. Um, I don't know. I got one. Didn't really like it. Um, I still had the pure fix and mostly rode that around um and then when it came to you know skipping ahead to racing track i couldn't race that because it was their commuter um so we originally were going to get the um all city but i'm a really i'm five feet tall i'm a really short person so that their smallest size even with like the shortest stem didn't really fit me very well um so i got a like a small continuum frame with 650 wheels that was just like the true track geometry just you know shrunk down that's why it had the 650 wheels which are harder to find not a lot of people um make bikes with those uh i personally love them and then the yeah, next year i feel like um, 650 is like coming up in gravel <laughs> but like it hasn't really like not a lot of fixed gear stuff especially <laughs> yeah and it's like thank they have like the with the pursuit frame that has a 650 in the front but just you know i think my only bike that doesn't have 650 wheels at this point is um like my old commuter road bike which i converted because it was too large for me like my you know my regular road bike i use for training has 650 wheels my um touring bike has 650 b wheels um but yeah i love the 650c wheels they're great like super fast um and they're just sized appropriately for somebody my height so oh yeah so the second year um i had been talking to uh anna schwinn um of like waterford and gunner and she was talking about how she wanted to make uh track frames for small people so she was like are you interested i'm like absolutely so um we had another woman joining our team who was short like me and i was like great i will sell you my continuum and build up um, a new bike so i got the gunner track star which is um like steel frame i got um wheels with these like really sparkly suzu pro max disco hubs built up um <laughs> i got like the last set of 28 hole i think like in the world it was really hard to find because i'd already ordered their rims and i don't know the first set coming from england got lost somehow um and yeah i just i've loved that bike 
so much. I wish I could ride around more, but definitely don't want to leave it like locked up on the streets. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a beautiful bike. It's too. like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like, it's my favorite. It's like, I love getting to you know ride it whenever I travel for races um, a little more, but definitely wouldn't want to leave it in uh, outside New York. <laughs> oh no, I feel you there. So let's talk about your progression with uh, track cycling and your history with doing fixed gear crits. Okay. Um, so yeah, the first year, um, like I said, it was mostly like uh, probably five or six women. Um, I was dead last pretty much every race. Um, but I, I was a pretty, um, avid student of any sort of anything training related. So like the cyclist training Bible, um, you know, some sports psychology books, um, and just really read them, um, pretty fastidiously and applied, like, you know, created my own training plan and applied that um and by the end of my first year i was starting to you know place better in races um and i got um silver at our state championships so um i set you know my goal for the next year i was like all right i want to get gold at state championships um and i planned to train you know that entire winter really strengthen things up but um like i told you in the beginning that i had uh hip surgery um, I started having pain again and needed to have another, um, like surgery to take out, um, some scar tissue and repair like tears in there. So I kind of cut that short and I wasn't able to start my second season, um, until June of last year. Oh, that's such a bummer. Yeah, I was, you know, that was like the one thing I really wanted. It was like, all right, I'm going to come into the season strong, do a bunch of training. And I had to basically, you know, I had surgery in like, uh, I guess it was yeah, last December, not the most recent one. And I had to start from the beginnings, you know, while all of my teammates and friends were racing, um, you know, our big series in April, every April, six days of Kisena, you know, taking his name from the six days racing, um, in, like in Europe. Um, it's uh, usually three to four different weekends through April um, and sometimes May. And it's our really big flagship series. And I spent that season, I basically uh, official instead. So I became like a registered official so I could still have something to do while I was at the races. Um, and then I just really, you know, I treated physical therapy like it was my job and focused really on rehabbing and strengthening everything. Um and tried to just come back strong into the season. Um, so getting into uh, the fixed gear crits, um, you know, I, a few of my teammates did Red Hook crit um, as in Brooklyn as their first crit, um, and that seemed really intimidating. Uh, so I was asking a friend of mine, you know, if there are any more, um, I guess, accessible ones to, like, practice before trying it next year. Um, and she recommended the fixation series. So um, I went out to Chicago last July and, um, you know, signed up, did those races the first day. It was, I got dropped pretty much immediately and spent the entire race, like, in, like, I don't know, it's like a 90-degree day, like, just alone off the back. There's, like, a false flat, so you're going just slightly uphill um, during that final stretch. But uh, we had a really great a group of people who traveled from New York to do the races and they like cheered me on, even though I was like struggling. Um, and then the second day, um, I missed nature. Like the one thing I learned from the first day was don't lose a wheel. Cause once you lose a wheel, you're screwed and you're just doing all this work by yourself. So like, no matter what, I was not losing a wheel and I stayed off the main uh, chase pack and got, um, like fifth place, like it was like a, kind of like a photo finish sort of moment where I was like sprinting alongside this one rider from uh state and like was just really close. So, um, yeah, I was like, I definitely, I want to do more of that. I want to do that again. Um, and we went, yeah. And that's how I got into the fixed crit team. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Your first crit sounds exactly like my first experience where I pretty much immediately got dropped and then spent the whole time just trying to catch the group and never did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you're kind of looking behind you. You're like, I think they're might be close to lapping me, but I'm not sure. Um, but it was great. You know, like they, it's nice 
to have like the announcer and there's all, you know, it's a fixed crit. Um, there's all these people like staying on the sidelines, like cheering you in this kind of sleepy suburban Chicago <laughs> town, like people just sitting out in their lawns. Um, and so it felt nice that even though you're just kind of completely on the back, you're like, all right, somebody is cheering you on. And that's really what matters. <laughs> so they had the second day. I was, you know, kind of afraid, like, all right, like, I have no, you know, I had surgery, like, six months ago, I don't know how this is going to feel tomorrow, like, you know, still kind of treating things cautiously, because I didn't want to injure myself further, um, but my legs felt, like, pretty fresh, so I was like, all right, I'm just going to, you know, kind of change, like, whatever my nutrition strategy is, um, our skin suits had this little, I guess it's, like, the little pocket for the race radio, but you can also put, like, a bag of ice back there, so I did that to kind of keep cool, because it was, funny and hot again and yeah just staying on a wheel and heard um other people cheering i did a series um i'm also an editor for pretty damn fast and i did an interview series last year where i interviewed a few different women um who raced uh red hook just kind of hearing about their experiences um and heard like one of the women um from chicago who came out and raced like cheering for me and you're like all right this is great (laughs) yeah that actually like brings up the next thing i was going to ask about which is pretty damned fast uh how did you get involved with that? And do you want to tell people what it is? And that's actually kind of how I became aware of you because I was looking up info about the fixation crit. And then my friend Addie also writes for pretty damn fast and came across like the no crash course and fixed gear crits article that you wrote. Um, so yeah, I just kind of wanted to talk about pretty damn fast and it's, it's such a rad project. Yeah, so um, uh, I knew Anna Maria, um, just I think, I can't remember, I think I'd offered, let's see, oh, okay, um, like I think that was actually one of the first group rides I did was a pretty damn fast and like Machines for Freedom, like road ride um, that one of my friends found, um, this is the one where I showed up like without, I don't know, with the single speed and like without foot retention. Um, but yeah, so they um, offered to be our media sponsor for our team to kind of give us, um, you know, a platform to kind of talk more about racing in our first season and hopefully get more women into the sport, um, you know, across the country by being able to share our story. Um, so, you know, since I was doing more of the racing focused stuff, I kind of pitched a couple ideas for stories um, around racing since um i think like that and like the east coast racing scene like weren't as covered um and talked to anna marie about kind of stepping up that role and covering more of it since you know i did have like these goals around like racing and just getting more women into fixed pits and track racing um and hopefully you know talking to more women besides myself and my teammates to kind of just show the different areas you come from um and then with the Red Hook series, uh, the year before I had, um, we had a friend from Minneapolis come to town or, uh, Tiana Johnson, who was a really great, like rad, awesome racer and person. Um, and it was just like really, you know, inspiring to see her, you know, she like did like an awesome job, like handling the course and just racing. And it was super inspiring that a bunch of us really excited about racing the next year. Um, and when you looked at, uh, like the media coverage, you know, kind of covers the same couple of people, um, which is, you know, great, but I wanted to expand the coverage beyond the first few people and kind of get deeper into, uh, people's stories around how they got into racing and what it means to them. Uh, so I kind of, you know, looked through the, like the roster, like, you know, try to pick out, um, a couple other people, um, that I hadn't heard of. And we also the year before hosted this uh social for uh women trans and gender not conforming people to come hang out after red hook and i met this other woman uh andrea from baltimore um so i was like i want to interview her because she was telling me her story about you know how she was one of the only uh women who raced fixed around there like one of the only uh women messengers and you know it's just showing i guess people that you can even if you're the only person like you can still do it wherever um, just giving people an inside look into how different people got started, kind of like you do with uh, this podcast. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that that's such an important thing to do um, as far as just getting out the info and, and interviewing different kinds of folks. I think that that's 
incredibly important because I don't only want to always hear from the same people over and over again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you hear, you know, like like a lot of the like the same kind of surface level coverage, but it's really those like you know deeper backstories and just talking to more different people because you know you don't know like that's like kind of somebody's like local hero. So when they see them covered somewhere, it's really awesome and inspiring to have somebody telling that story in full. Um, and yeah, telling more of the women's stories, you know, more stories of people like of color and giving people that platform so that, you know, no matter where you come from, you see that there's a place for you in racing. Um, like that's one of the things I love most about the, the, the fixed gear scene, especially the fixed crit scene is, you know, it's, um, it feels like a lower barrier to entry. It's a lot more accessible in terms of the type of bike and you don't have to have, you know, too much fancy stuff like a mission crit like there are people racing in like jean shorts and tank tops um like it you don't need to have all of this stuff all you need is like a bike and just going fast turning left and sometimes right <laughs> that's awesome yeah so you went out to mission crit and red hook this year right mm-hmm. yeah was that your first experience doing those races uh yeah i met um James, the who was one of the organizers of Mission Crit last year at Red Hook, and he was talking about um, kind of how they wanted to get more women um, into it. So I really set my sights on that race and getting you know more of my teammates and other people in the community to come out and race it. Um, so we ended up getting, let's see, I think like like three three of my teammates and a couple other women locally to go out and race it. Um, it was really awesome that, you know, Machines for Freedom, like, sponsored it. So the registration is cheaper this year. But I know that they've done really um, great things to make the race more accessible. Um, I think they had, like, the, like the first-timer discount last year. Um, uh, and that's, like, it's just a, it was such a fun experience. It's really, you know, Red Hook is, is great, it's, but it's very um, – I don't know it's like a little definitely a little more glitzy and I feel like mission crit still has more of that community and like and local connection um and energy around it that's really exciting to be part of absolutely mission crit seems like just such a rad event I'm hoping I can make it out next year which I'm pretty sure I'll be able to and it was really cool because I got to let Claire uh from mission crit and katie who is one of the announcers i basically let them take over my podcast so we could talk about like the women's field and stuff it was really fun (laughs) it's one of my favorite episodes (laughs) yeah i listened to that episode you know that's another thing i really like about the fixed gear racing and track community um i'm also on the uh, local racing association board for new york and i think the attitudes around um making racing more inclusive and equal or just a lot more progressive in the fixed gear and track scenes. Um, you know, there's still a lot of issues in road and other like disciplines with unequal payout and scheduling, you know, I've been cross, but it's like, I get, you know, put with like 12 year old boys and stuff like that. And it's just, it's not as fun to race that way. So, um, you know, that's what I really appreciate about, I think a lot, you know, the organizers and just the whole, um, you know, track and fixed gear racing scene is it is more committed to being, you know, being more inclusive and making it equal for everyone. And that's just kind of a given and not something um, you have to kind of constantly argue for and get shot down on. Yeah, absolutely. I just saw this race in Colorado that they had a BMX competition and, and then they posted pictures from the race and then like the first woman won $350 and then the first place man won like $800 and then every comment was like why is this still a thing and they didn't respond at all and I was so disappointed to see that in like this what was supposed to be like a really rad event in this like in BMX and you think it would be more progressive too, but not so much. <laughs> yeah. So that it's is just, one thing. You I, know. Yeah. That's one thing I appreciate about mission crit is that, you know, they just came out and they were like, yeah, it was never a question on whether or not there would be equal payout, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I see that at our local velodrome as well. And it just, you know, it's, I think it's because it comes from a different scene than this super, you know, uh, I guess, organized like tradition or whatever like you know not all traditions need to 
be followed or keep going. Um, and it just makes it a better experience for everyone. Um, you know, cause if you're putting in the same work and paying the same registration fee, but you know, getting your payout cut and it's, you know, 50 to 30% of what men get, it's just, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. And then there's still a debate about podium girls. I'm just, mm-hmm. I don't, understand <laughs> i think podium pops and podium pizza are both great alternatives <laughs> <laughs> they're very popular our track <laughs> that's funny yeah um, uh so yeah i kind of want to get into painting a picture of what your day was like and your experience was like at mission crit oh yeah absolutely um so we so I left the place where we were staying. It was later in the afternoon. It was great, so sleeping in. Um, I went back to um, you know get all of my stuff together for the day. Probably forgot a couple of things and headed back. Um, and yeah, we got to the venue. Um, you know, kind of waiting online for our timing cards, and then unfortunately missed an opportunity to pre-ride the course, which is a mistake I won't make again um because yeah you don't want the first time you see the turns to be like when you're on you know racing <laughs> yeah, you're going full gas sorry <laughs> yeah exactly you're just dealing with a bunch of other people and not able you know in a bunch and not able to take it um at your own pace so um yeah, let's see you know kind of like set up an area with me and you know my teammates and friends um warmed up on the rollers for a bit um let's see uh i don't know timing all of my different like energy blocks and stuff like that and drinking the last sips of water like before um and then yeah just like doing like not the pre-ride but you know you go around the course like at a kind of a slower pace and all line up and they call everybody's names in order um and then, yeah, it was, like, on and, like, taking off. Um, I did another crit last year um, in Montreal called Jackalope, and I crashed in that. So I was still a little bit, um, I don't know, a little bit, like, shyer or, like, um, less aggressive in handling the corners because I was just, you know, afraid of, like, someone else crashing in front of me or, you know, wiping out again. Um, and... But, like, as, you know, the race progressed, like, you know, it gets more fun to kind of, you start to, like, follow other people's lines, see what they're taking, feel the course more, and, you know, go around everything. I remember there was this one uphill right by, like, the corner of the market that I thought I really had to, like, power up, but you're just getting, like, so much speed. You just, like, cruise right up it, go down, like, the chicane. There's, like, a big straightaway in the back, and then this, like, you know, sweeping turn with, you know, photographer's lights shooting at you in every corner and you can hear people cheering. I heard somebody, you know, cheering for my bike frame, essentially being like, Oh, cool. It's a gunner. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which was great. Like, you know, we don't see that many of them on the East coast, but I think they're definitely, you know, bigger out on the West coast. I've actually seen them in shops. So it was just funny to see um, or to hear that each time. Uh, Yeah. The hairpin was definitely, uh, you know, tricky being able to kind of, be behind other people and see where they're scrubbing speed and what lines they're taking. But, you know, where you get that chance to just kind of bomb around the different corners. Um, yeah, it was really fun. Um, I wasn't quite in the shape I would have liked to have been for it. Um, cause I had like a herniated disc in my back and hadn't really been training for a couple months. Um, but it was still really, really fun. Yeah. Uh, how did Red Hook go for you? Oh, Red Hook was, um, was good. I wasn't originally, you know, planning on it since I had been, you know, off the bike for a couple of months. Um, but I, you know, I took a look at the course and, you know, like one, only one of my teammates was doing it. I was like, all right, I'm going to sign up. Like, I know I'm going to be dropped right away, but I'm just going to do it. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty nerve wracking. We got there, um, you know, really early because the pre-ride was only open from, I think like like nine to 10 or 10 to 11. And then it was just kind of like a long day of like sitting there and waiting until our qualifier one, um, you know, finding rollers to warm up on. And you're with all these like, 
you know, it's like Fixie Fashion Week is what people call it because you know, everybody's <laughs> got like their new bikes and like kits and like matching things. And you're like, um, you know, I'm just out here definitely like not in shape for this right now. <laughs> um, but, you know, luckily since that's kind of like the hometown race, I had like a lot of friends there, you know, cheering me on from who were all from different like walks of cycling life, which was great. You know, I had a bunch of, you know, like, bike camping and polo friends like cheering me up at the finish line so um you know even when I was out there alone there were still like my friends cheering for me and you know when you got like little beep beep of the moto I would just like go by and like give them a high five like on my way off the course (laughs) that's funny what's so yeah (laughs) (laughs) what's coming up next for you um so next for me will be um the fixation series um i'm going to the ones in milwaukee at the end of june and then i'll also be doing uh bone machine in portland um so those are the next six crits i'm doing and um besides that just racing locally at casena which is our velodrome in queens and then out at truckster town in pennsylvania um as much as i can that's awesome. I'm particularly excited for Bone Machine. Yeah, that's I'm really excited for that. Um and I've been, you know, really just focusing, you know, on the training and everything like that to get into shape for that and feel uh more confident uh going into it. Um and then let's see. Um besides that, I guess, you know, Red Hook Barcelona was on my, you know, list of a race I wanted to do last year but uh didn't. So I would love to do that this year and uh, going to the fixed gear classic in Minneapolis. The fixed gear classic. I haven't even heard of that one. Oh yeah. It's um, it is at, um, you know, Minneapolis velodrome and it's like all the best track racers from around the country um, come and race. I believe they, I don't know if they had a four ca- a category four before, but they do now. Um, yeah it's really competitive like all the best like cat one two three racers um come out and you know minneapolis has a really great community of people um so i'm excited to just go out there you know race that velodrome um and hang out (laughs) you know after we did mission crit my uh friend and i um ended up doing this like kind of like little california coast like bike camping trip um where we like found a hostel like 30 miles down the coast but she took us up this one mountain bike trail on our track bike that's called <laughs> planet of the apes because it looks so surreal um so I was, and that was um like over my birthday weekend um so she like i was just like here's to doing more dumb stuff on fixed gear bikes this year <laughs> That's really fun. I kind of think that the track low cross like resistance racing stuff looks really fun. I know it does. I'm like, I need to get like a crappier wheel set for my bike. Um, maybe. <laughs> I know, right? I've been thinking like maybe I'll get like a surly steamroller or something that I can just like beat up. <laughs> yeah, I know. The more I ride my race bike, the more I'm like, I maybe I should just get like a really um yeah crappy commuter bike that i can lock up because it is just more fun riding fix like you just have this different connection and attention with your bike and it just feels just i don't know everything feels smoother somehow with just the way you're moving so yeah absolutely is that kind of what drew you to the sport in general was just that connection or was it the whole community around it or I think it's a combination of both because that's a big thing um, I think people miss is that you do need to really build that community because that's what people come back for. Um, you know, racing's fun, but it's definitely hard. Nobody is kind of coming back for, like, the suffer fest as much. It's, like, the fun you have with your friends, new and old, afterwards. Um, in terms of, I guess, like, like the attraction of the scenes, so there's, like, the community. And then I, like, um, I was a competitive horseback rider growing up. So I think there's always kind of been some, you know, competitiveness and just need to strive towards a goal. Like, I may never be the best racer in the world, but hopefully by, you know, like, trying hard and getting to whatever my top level is, like, um, you know, somebody else who is a better racer who may not consider um, you know, racing track before we'll try it and, you know, they'll take it to the next level, kind of inspiring, um, whoever the next generation of like really awesome 
racers and riders are. Absolutely. What are some of your big goals as far as cycling goes? Um, let's see. Um, you know, I really want to see where some of the fixed crits take me. I, you know, the track racing is, you know, fun and I like the, you know, the short intense burst, but it's nice to kind of have a little more time to, um, you know, I don't know, play with things like in the field, you know, think about strategies, stuff like that. Um, so I would love to race more overseas next year, you know, like rad race and whatever other fixed crits I probably haven't heard of yet. Um, in the next couple of years. Um, another one of my goals is to race or ride at every velodrome in North America. So I don't know, maybe there's like a little like track road trip in my future to travel around and race to like, um, race or ride all of them. Um, besides that, you know, like I don't really set goals in terms of like winning or placing as much. It's really just trying to reach whatever the top of my level of achievement can be um you know if that makes sense no totally i think i wonder if there's something about because like you mentioned that people aren't really coming back for our, for the suffer fest anymore and i feel like there was definitely like this this attitude of cycling like back in the day that was all about the suffer fest and now with like the popularity of like gravel and fixed gear crits and stuff like that, I wonder if it's like changing to just more about people challenging themselves and, and just like having fun and, and that sense of community that you get. I wonder, I would think if there's something to that. Cause I notice a lot of the old fixed gear people and stuff like that are kind of like experimenting with, all kinds of different racing, but rarely is it like traditional road racing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's, it's shorter, it's more accessible. It's, it's definitely more fun. Cause if you, you know, if you go to a road race, it's like five thirty or six in the morning and nobody's like hanging out afterwards. So, but you know, if you go to this fixed gear event, you know, it's like you're in town for a whole weekend. It's the whole thing. You're meeting new people, like making new friends eating great food, like seeing some, like the city from somebody else's perspective for wherever you're traveling. And then the race is a, you know, kind of a small part of that. It's like the central hub around which everything else happens. It's, you know, it's still important, but it's really like the platform for something more than that. And yeah, it's definitely, I think it's a bigger trend is people kind of just being part of a community. And then the race is just one aspect of that. Absolutely. So off of racing, well, I guess it's not completely off topic, but what are you listening to when you're training right now? Okay. Um, <laughs> let's see. I just did, um, me and my uh, teammates did a, um, like a Robin themed spin class, um, at this one place that was offering it. So I added that to my playlist, um, for my like longer tempo rides. It's got like a good rhythm and keeps me going even when I really want to stop like the threshold things and everything. <laughs> um and then um one of Grimes's albums is like really good for cycling for whatever reason. Like what the flow of it, it just like I don't know, it warms you up well. There's a couple of faster songs, like a slower song. So it tends to go well with like whatever my planned interval workout is. Um and then for weightlifting it's usually some sort of like hardcore like heavy stuff that's funny when i'm like sometimes i go through periods where i just want to listen to like soft music when i'm going like uphill or something just so i can kind of like like zone out but i've been doing more intense training lately so i've been like you know minor threat yeah i think i need to add some heavier things because it's like sometimes it can be like a little bit too metal mellow and then i'm like okay like I think my heart rate is dropping a little bit, like RPMs are a little lower, but I, yeah, I like kind of like arranged it. So the, the slower, like softer music is towards the end when I'm supposed to be cooling down anyway, because I definitely can feel that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, what are you, so I don't, I haven't had many people on here that are also vegan. So I want to nerd out about food a little bit. What are you like? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love food. Like any of my teammates can tell you that like that I I love food. It's like <laughs> Oh yeah, me too. Like that's one of my favorite parts about cycling is that 
you know, whenever I do a really big day or something like that, I can just feel good about eating whenever I want. So, (laughs) yeah. But what are you uh, doing right now for like breakfasts or like to fuel your rides or fuel your training? Uh, And then what are your like rewards for yourself that you're like really stoked on after a ride? (laughs) Okay. Okay, cool. Um, I've been experimenting with some different, um, I'm a big baker, so experimenting with different like high protein recipes that help cook like a better balance of like protein to carbs. Um, so I made this like pumpkin chocolate chip bread, um, that used like vital wheat gluten, which was like kind of random, but turned out pretty good. Um, so I would usually have that, um, coffee with oat milk is very essential before any training ride. Um, so yeah, I do that, like, sit around, eat that for like an hour, um, go out on my ride, um, come back, um, and have a protein shake. I usually, I get true nutrition. Um, it's like a, you can buy it in bulk online and create your own mixes with your own add-ins and they have really good flavors and are, um, probably like half the price of a lot of other vegan brands. Um, so that's my favorite. I'll have a scoop of that, um, afterwards. Um, I go to Trader Joe's and get like, the tofurkey stuff tofu put it on salad with uh, pumpkin seeds because they're really good um like protein and iron content um let's see anything like kind of like burrito themed so like rice and beans stuff like that uh got vegan caesar salad dressing it's kind of like the kind of things i go back to um and yeah that's what I would say for like training type stuff. I try and keep it mostly whole food based. I used to like more of the um, processed stuff, but I've been kind of going a little bit more away from that and keeping things simple. So I'm kind of like thinking about it less. Um, although I do like all the different um, vegan cheeses, like the Violife and Miyoko's, um, which are the fancier like aged ones. So those are like nice little treats sometimes. And then in terms of riding treats, I'm a big donut person. So like that's kind of the first thing I look for whenever I go. Um, I'm planning to travel. I'm like, all right, where are the vegan donuts? <laughs> you know, I have a tip. If you're, I don't know if you've been there, but uh, me and my wife were just in Oklahoma City. And, oh shit, what was the name of this place? Holy Rollers. And oh my gosh. <laughs> it's a it's randomly in Oklahoma City and like the art district and it's an all vegan donut shop. Oh that's awesome. And like I you amazing. know when I do... <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah, it was like oh, awesome. the maple donuts and coconut cream stuff. And it was all like good ingredients too, which I really appreciated. It wasn't just like you know, I mean it was fried, like you know, donuts, but <laughs> you know, they put thought into it. <laughs> yeah. I know what you mean. Where it's not just like kind of identical tasting sugar bombs or different colors. Cause I know, yeah, I noticed in terms of, um, yeah, like riding and training, like it feels, it's nice to eat that, but then you're definitely not feeling super great afterwards. Right. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I'll have to check that out. Like maybe when I do my like North American velodrome tour, <laughs> right. yeah. like I would definitely, I found like uh yeah some vegan donut place on instagram and i'm kind of half planning a weird like bike tour where i go down to like philly and then somehow make it it's like 50 miles outside of baltimore to this one vegan donut place i'm like maybe i'll do that like i don't know (laughs) in the next couple of weeks like i'm planning a bike tour around donuts (laughs) that's amazing i think we hit everything i wanted to hit is there anything else you wanted to talk about um well our team uh, we're sponsored by um, a few different great places. Um, Sid's Bikes, um, they do awesome service and fits in New York. Um, Dink Banana Bread, uh, they are have awesome vegan banana bread. Um, and the owner, Caitlin, is really amazing. I'm sure I'm going to forget somebody. I'm like trying to piece together the back of our kits right now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, like we've just been really like, I don't know, it's been really exciting to have so many people excited to, you know, work with us and just really stoked on growing women's racing. Um, you know, I, like I, I was telling you that I was working as a race official and I think it was like watching, you know, races and kind of hearing what 
like, you know, just seeing like what strategies people use or people thinking women's racing is boring. I was like, all right, you know, I'm going to make it my job to have like the fitness to kind of be able to be more of an antagonist in races and stuff like that. So it's just exciting seeing people, um, you know, seeing women's racing for what it is, which is like just as exciting. Um, anyway, continuing with the sponsor part. Um, so Cliff Bar as well. Um, to write all of our like shot blocks and stuff like that to keep us going during some very intense crits. Um, Avis Security has been a you know a big uh, supporter of ours as well. Uh, pretty damn fast for media sponsorship. Uh, Podium Wear um, do our really rad kits. They're super comfortable. And if you want like anything custom, I would definitely go with them because they're great to work with. And then um, RZ Designs, who's uh, Roz Patterson, who's designed all of our kits since the beginning and always does a really amazing job. Um, and we're like, yeah, especially excited about this year. They're super bright. Um, and then Spy Optic, um, who are providing us with sunglasses this year. Um, they have this really cool uh, like technology, so like everything's super clear. Um, and yeah. And tell people where they can find you and your writing on Instagram and Formula um, Femme. Well, <laughs> oh, yeah. So Formula Femme, you can find uh, all of us and follow us and just kind of stay up to date on different things happening in the women's community. Uh, you can go on uh, follow Pretty Damn Fast, which is the women's cycling website I'm an editor of. And then I'm on Instagram as Beanan and Kel, um, which is named after my dog and me. <laughs> <laughs> Because my dog's name is Bean, so it's like it's probably easier if you just go to Formula FM and find it that way. <laughs> That's great. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to like interview me and just like for everything you're doing to promote, you know, racing. All right, that does it for another episode of Save the Track Bike. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, just so you guys know, I am going to take the month of July from doing any big episodes. We'll have a couple sprints during that time, uh, but we won't have any full interviews until August. So that'll give me some time to like regroup, to pull in some more support, get some better equipment, and take the time to really like grow this podcast. So I appreciate all the support so far, and yeah. Uh, again, this podcast is sponsored by Hexagon Cycles. That's hexagoncycles.com. Go to savethetrackbike.com. Visit us on Instagram at savethetrackbike. And the music is Slag Girl by Vitamin Pets. And yeah. All right. We'll see you next time.